Hello, everyone. Uh, this is Borderless Live on LinkedIn. My name is Andrew Chris, and this is our weekly glance at aspects of executive life and international business. So let's get on with it. Uh, today is going to be about a subject very close to our pockets. And whether you're following McKinsey or Deloitte, the numbers are still startling. Around 40 to 45% of executives today are considering switching jobs and industries or even developing other careers and other lives, sometimes going from traditional to non-traditional roles. Surprisingly, executive search firms last couple of years had a pretty good time. Hiring has exceeded pre-pandemic levels in many markets. There's a shortage of skilled executives and increasing competition for top talent. If you have specialized skills or skills in a high demand area, for example, on ESG, sustainability, bio-research, digitizing your industry, and so on, and you have a solid record, you're incredibly well positioned to negotiate a fresh salary. So imagine for a moment you've got that new job you're interviewing for. Well, congratulations and very well done. But how do you actually negotiate with a new employer? Well, let's just say... Uh, let your weird money emotions flow through us and with us. Before you meet your new employer, we'll have had several conversations with you, and this will include understanding your current situation, your salary, your expectations in the new role, and so on. Surely the simplest thing for us would be not to get in the way, but to tell you what our client expects to pay, and you could just negotiate from there. And while I know that every employer does have an idea what they think the job is worth, that is certainly not the same as you knowing what you are worth in that job. And by the time you get to know you, they get to know you and understand you well, this will become another discussion altogether. It's what you are worth in that job is what really matters. So, Perhaps you're going to bring some new skills and experience to the company that's never been considered. The company is therefore going to be ready to pay above what they first had in mind. Or in the other sense, even though you may not have all the requirements for the specific role, you could still be a tremendous asset and be really successful in a career with the company. So before we go to tactics, we should recognize that you are about to enter an incredibly sensitive negotiation. It's not the end of the process. It's in right and deep in the process. As my colleague Rosalie Harrison says, people get really weird when it comes to talking about money. They somehow reveal a very different money personality. So up front, use the time in pre-interview briefings with us, with Borderless, to get to know yourself. Get to understand what your emotional response tends to be, especially around the subject of money. Some people don't want to be taken advantage of. Others are unable to value themselves. It's also true to say that companies are very different. Uh, some companies expect negotiation, while others make their best effort from the start, from the get-go, and that's it. So understanding both where your emotional position is situated and the direction the companies like to take is really critical and we can help you with that.
is not just about the monetary impact on your way of life and your family, but of course, that is a lot to look forward to. Secondly, I'd like to make a suggestion to you. Please, don't play games. It's just not smart. How you handle yourself and the integrity you display when negotiating salary will be an important indicator to your future employment employer of who you really are and how you behave under pressure. There's no better way to see an offer being withdrawn than having a hiring manager find out you've invented a competing job offer or you're threatening a risk of a counter offer from your current employer or perhaps even inflated your current salary. One thing is for sure, guys, if you play games or come across as being less than candid, it will degrade confidence in you. I'm not saying, of course, that you know you should be weak or allow yourself to be intimidated. On the contrary, but anything less than a balanced professional approach, you'll be doing yourself a disservice. Understand too, perhaps, that we have a vested interest at Borderless in making sure this marriage works. It should be based on trust. So ultimately, both you and your career prospers and our client's business prosper. If we, for any reason, sense during a negotiation process that a candidate's behavior demonstrates a fundamental character flaw, we may not have seen that until now, until it comes to money, then this is going to be conflicting potentially with the values and integrity of our client. And under no circumstances, we will recommend our client to conclude with you. We'll suggest withdrawing an offer. Remember, we are not recruiters. We're consultants. We do not depend on someone being hired so that we get paid. That's not our motivation primarily. So it's our long-term relationship with clients and that's based on helping our clients find and attract executives who are going to be really successful. Some say, of course, we're only as good as our last successful hire, although I think that really exaggerates the point. As advisors to you and to our client, here's the number one rule. Don't play games. It's just not smart. So let's talk about understanding the market. As an executive, you'll have developed a pretty fair understanding of what people are paid. You've got people reporting with to you. You've got people you're working with. You understand what they earn. And in fact, any public company report will reveal executive pay. In the US, several states are making it mandatory, to, will be making it mandatory too in a number of others, to post pay scales together with job ads. Now, I personally doubt they'll be very helpful, especially for senior executives. But at the very least, an hour of some decent research up front will at least provide some context on remuneration. Most importantly, as my colleague and founder of Broadless, Alistair Kramer, uh, was telling me, you know, the most important thing is to be clear and precise about your expectation. Make it clear up front. And in doing so, we can help you prepare the way for your conversations when it comes to compensation. How about understanding what you're currently earning? It sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? But before you can negotiate any new package, 
it's a pretty good idea to understand the details of your current package. And candidly, I never cease to be amazed how often the smartest and most experienced executives don't fully understand the details of what they earn and how they're paid and when they're paid. If you don't understand the details of your current package, how can you negotiate the next one, guys? When I say guys, by the way, I am being completely guys and dolls here. Will you be able to make a fair, and others, of course, will you be able to make a fair and reasonable comparison? While I'm on this point, the same occasionally applies to some hiring managers, which is why senior comp discussions tend to be fronted by experienced HR people. Most people know their salary, but may be unclear about how he gets paid. What does it include? In France, for example, when anyone is referring to net pay, that's after social security deduction, but not before tax. When is an annual salary paid? Maybe it's 13 installments. In Holland, it's 13.92. Where did all that come from? Where and in how many countries are you paid? In which country are you paying social security? What actually is your net salary? What are your short-term incentives, your bonus? What did you actually receive in the last two years? What's it based on? Is it based on your personal performance, company results, both or something else? What about long-term incentives? Stocks, grants, options, purchases? What are the terms of these? What can you take with you? What will you leave behind? And more importantly, what do you expect your future employer to compensate for in one form or another? Other factors you might want to think about. Are your children attending international school? Does your company pay? Will your company pay? Do you have a car and a driver? What does your healthcare cover? And pension plan, what does it look like? I don't want to sound like a comp and ben uh, officer here, but these are questions that we will be asking you before you go to that important final conversation. Please be fully prepared. And yes, we do need to know it all up front. Nothing will destroy your credibility more than springing a surprise at the final stage of negotiation. So next step, absolutely no surprises. Nothing would be worse than to undersell yourself, of course. And underselling yourself in a package discussion is also part of that. But don't exaggerate either. By this stage, your future employer is already committing to you, is ready to take you on, has got a pretty good feel for your value, and intends to compensate you fairly and competitively. So the worst thing you can do is to spring a surprise, something you should have mentioned a lot earlier. Just an example, I'm planning to become a citizen of the country where I'm currently residing. I need to stay there for another year. Is that okay? This is something that needs to be discussed early on so that your future employer can take this into account and make appropriate judgments. And if they value to the extent that they are ready to employ you, a responsible company certainly will take action. I also will need a straight answer to a straight question. Are there anything, is there anything else, personal or professional, that could impact your ability to undertake this role? Remember, it's only personal if it doesn't impact the company and you don't expect the company to take action or to compensate you. Everything else is professional and needs to be declared. Now, we recognize 
that particularly today we need to be attracted to companies. Inexperienced executives somehow assume that a company will always want to pay you as little as they can get away with. Candidly, this is very naive and very outdated. Companies need to attract great people and will go to great lengths to do that. Smart executives, on the other hand, know what they're worth. They understand their market. They know the peer-level compensation in all its elements. So companies cannot assume that people want to join only because they have a great reputation. They're super creative. It's a diverse industry leader, leader, excuse me, flexible working. It's a super exciting role, of course. Yes, it all matters. But what has drawn the best people to the company in the first place is need to be complemented by a great package that attracts the best. And remember, if you're discussing a situation with a company, the company is not your adversary. Your company needs you and wants to attract you. Some executives believe they're quite smart by refusing to reveal their current package before an interview. I don't think it's so smart. Indeed, in some jurisdictions, the US, for example, it is illegal to ask someone to reveal their comp package. But imagine Nothing could be more embarrassing than a company finding out they cannot afford to pay you after you and they have invested several time-consuming hours in rounds of interviews. That's why people like Borderless, executive search firms, do everything possible to understand packages and terms before putting you in front of a client. If you don't have the trust and confidence in the search professionals you're talking to, you're unlikely to make it to the front door of a client. Again, it's in everyone's interest for you to be competitively and fairly compensated. It's a critical. Yes, but be open and be fair. Finally, let's look at something which I prefer to call the legal devil. The devil's in the details, really. Will you need to take garden leave? Can you work for a competitor? What is a competitor actually? How do you define it? So what does your non-compete actually say? Do make sure your current contract doesn't preclude you from working for your future company or in a country or a profession of choice. Non-competes need to be clear. And according to your laws, for example, like in the EU, cannot prohibit you from exercising your profession without compensation for lost income. This is not an incidental detail. Your future employer values you and may well be prepared to wait or even potentially take you into a role that doesn't infringe on your non-compete, at least for a while, to make sure they have secured your services. So how much notice do you need to give? You'll certainly, and our recommendation is always, discharge your professional responsibilities well. Make sure you leave on good terms. You never know when you're going to meet the same people all over again. The world goes around. In some countries, notice periods are pretty standard and negotiable. Some are very short, like in the US. In others, like Germany, they become a distinct barrier to employability and to mobility. Nine months from the end of a quarter? Really? Hmm. Well, to wrap it up, let's get to the facts. Prepare well, understand the detail. Your search consultant is a great guide for you. If you need to negotiate, remember, this is just another phase in the interview process. 
It's not a done deal. Of course, don't be a pushover, but be tactful and honest. And like in any negotiation, don't burn your bridges, even if it doesn't go to plan. You just never know when the next opportunity comes up, and you never know where it will come from. Okay, so that's what I have to say on this particular topic, but happy to answer a couple of questions. There's Mr. Anonymous here. In a contract negotiation, when should you reveal your final stance? Meaning, do you start high and negotiate to the middle? Where you hope to end up? Well, who are you talking to? You know, as I was saying earlier on, uh, some companies negotiate one way, some another, and they will tell you, this is our best offer. Is that okay? In which case, you have a big decision to make. But when it comes to negotiation, state what your objective is. And your objective needs to be fair and needs to make sure that you are competitive in the market. Therefore, you need to do all that preparation we discuss. Rather than, well, let's see where we got to it. Don't be, don't be too smart. Be reasonable. Be a business person. And this is a negotiation just like any other. One point I did want to make to you, of course, is that we're notoriously bad at negotiating for ourselves. We can do a business deal any day and we can be truly professional. But somehow negotiating for ourselves brings out something different in us, which is coming back to Rosalie's comment. So know where you're coming from, know what you want to achieve, be clear, be transparent. Okay, Mr. Anonymous, thank you. Is the second Mr. Anonymous here? Yeah. What's the most outrageous ask you've ever heard in an employment negotiation? I probably we can bring things to a close after this. Most outrageous ask? Okay. Um, I've got a couple here for you. You see... We'd love to make this move, but we need some help. We have, uh, my wife uh, keeps horses. And we have two who are really family members. Uh, could you arrange for transportation uh, for my two family members from country X to country Y? Could you put that in the package for me, please? Do you think that's outrageous or is it reasonable? It depends on whose side or which angle you want to take. But that's certainly a little bit outrageous. If you're earning the top money and you can keep horses as a top executive, I think you probably should be able to cover that yourself. Now, if your company says, hmm, okay, we'd like to consider it, well, there's something else. But remember, simply asking the question says a lot about you. So be careful what you wish for. Number two, really good one come to mind with a really facetious answer. And that is re reserved for my favorite of all time already a few years back. You see, we have this cat we'd like to take with us. And we have a bird. Uh, do you think we can do something with that? Well, you can certainly reduce that in half, can't you? Through the obvious method. Cat with a bit of fur in the mouth. Not necessarily in good taste but certainly a suggestion that somebody was ready to make to this particular candidate. So I wouldn't recommend that every day. I wouldn't necessarily ask that every day either, but those are some of the things that we come across routinely. With that, I'd like to say thanks so much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for joining. I look forward to seeing you next week for another session on Baldus Executive Live on LinkedIn. Have a good rest of the week. Bye-bye.